Welcome to the How to Write and Self-Publish Your Travel Book Show. This podcast brings you the most up-to-date and relevant advice, tips, and strategies to get your travel book in front of a global audience. And here's your host, travel writer and digital nomad, Jay Artali. Okay, so today's guest is Rachel Malek, and she offers uh, consulting services for a nonprofit organization. Welcome, Rachel. Hi, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. So today we're going to chat about Rachel's recent move to Tuscany, and we're going to look at the kind of research she did when she was planning to go, and also uh, when she was there to help her discover this location, so that we can look from a reader's perspective of what somebody looks like when they're going to um, a country, either on holiday or moving there. So Rachel, if you could just give us a little bit of an insight on where you moved from and, and why you moved. So I, I've lived in uh, in Vancouver, Canada my whole life, and I really hadn't traveled much. I left my province maybe twice in my life, and I'd never left the continent. So uh, last year, I finally had the chance. I had some money, and I had the chance to take a vacation overseas. And I was excited and terrified. So I talked to some friends, and one friend had a had a summer home that they went to in Versilia in Tuscany. And I kind of decided, okay, for my first time overseas, maybe it's a good idea to go somewhere where I've got some friend and family connections. That's how I chose this place. After about three weeks here, I met somebody and within a few months uh, of returning home, they'd proposed to me. So my move here was motivated by jumping in blindly to start a new life with uh, with the man I'd fallen in love with. So that's how I ended up moving here. That's amazing. So maybe we can look at it in two two different segments. If we look at the kind of things that you looked at and the kind of information that you relied on when you were looking to go on holiday, obviously you've got a friend there and they were able to provide insights and information. But did you do some of your own research? For me, I think just because I hadn't traveled much and being a being a young lady who was traveling overseas for the first time before I went on my vacation I was mostly focusing my research not so much on what to do or what to see or what to explore but how to stay safe and how not to be a jerk tourist so I was looking for safety tips for etiquette a friend of mine had given me one of those sort of like printed pocket travel guides and I glanced through it and I sort of just knew that there would be beautiful things to see and, and do. And I was looking up, okay, the government websites, best travel tips for staying safe, as well as the etiquette and culture and how to be polite in this new place. And it's a big Canadian concern. I want to know how to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was looking at before. And so looking for things to do more came once I was here in Italy and I'd been here for about a week. I figured out, okay, I'm safe. I'm not offending anyone. Okay. Now I've seen what there is that's obvious. And I started looking up other attractions that are in the area. For example, I ended up finding uh, some Roman ruins within 15 minutes of my little town that again, my, my friend who had been here their whole life didn't even know existed. So did you just wander off the beaten track to find them or you did some research to find out that they were there? When I first arrived, I kind of wandered around the beaten track. I stuck with what was known and the tourist sites that were there. But once I'd exhausted that after about a week, 
I started looking up blogs and looking for things specific to the region. So the hidden sites in Versilia or best things to do in Versilia and really focused in on the particular part of Tuscany I was in because if I looked at things to do in all of Tuscany, it would have me traveling hours here and hours there. And I just had this feeling that, okay, there must be something close to where I'm staying. And so, yeah, that's where I started doing the research. So as far as getting around, did you have a car or you just used local transport on your feet? I was, I thought I would use the trains, but I ended up using a lot of the local buses in my feet and relying a lot on uh, on my friend who was here with a car to get around. Again, that nervousness. Mm-hmm. I got more comfortable using the train once I'd moved here. For me, I was really always looking for a small town or something outside of the major cities and major tourist attractions where I could just go and then get around on foot. and see so many things in a small area right well you were looking at like the local area did you have any trouble trying to like search for things that were in the exact area did it take you a while to figure out your search terms and how to actually pinpoint it to your immediate vicinity it really did I feel like everybody wants to write the best things to see in Tuscany without realizing how big Tuscany is and that if you're looking to plan an afternoon you really want to plan what you're going to do in one area. Like you only really want to go by car or bus for two hours, one time in a day, and then see all the cool things near there. And I felt like when I found a blog article, it would be listing things that are at huge distances from one another. And so it took me a long time to find actual local resources. I would always give the preference to something that was listing based on what's what's near Pisa, for example, or Versilia, which is the area where I was mm. in, which is the sort of collection of beach towns. So yeah, I'd, I'd have a hard time finding it, but I'd always give the preference if I found something that was more specific than a big area. So then once you moved there, did your perception of the area change and what you wanted to know about the area change once you knew that you were actually living there? And did it differ from when you were just visiting there as a tourist? I think when I was here as a tourist, I kind of had that sense of like urgency to fit all the big sites into a short trip. I had a three-week vacation and I knew, okay, Cinque Terre, I need to see the Tower of Pisa. I need to walk around the wall in Lucca. And so there was kind of a like almost a to-do list of sites that I had to see and things I had to do. Whereas once I'd moved here, I felt much more free to explore and to explore in ways that I actually enjoy more, which is getting out of the cities and going to the small towns and seeing the things where there aren't big crowds and there's still so much history and so much beauty. And so... I started looking for the most beautiful hidden towns and the best secrets, right? Instead of the things you must do if you're here for this much time, right? When I came here on vacation, it was my first time traveling. And so I had a a sense of pressure. I didn't know when I'd get to travel again. I, I felt like this was a once in a life opportunity to have an experience of traveling in my 20s. After that, Uh, Just this year, uh, me and my husband went to Malta for three weeks for our honeymoon. We went to uh, Geneva for a work conference, and I was just in Birmingham last week. And when I have the time there now, 
I've definitely learned from my experience here in Italy, and I'm not trying to see what are the most important sites. If I see them, okay. But I kind of know already that there will be big crowds, it will be noisy, it probably will be expensive to just sit down and enjoy my, my afternoon. So I, I'm definitely a convert to slow travel, even if I didn't know that term for it. So as far as any kind of big, broad travel websites, you know, like TripAdvisor, do you use any websites like that when you're when you were traveling or when you're planning to go to a new place? In Canada, I was really used to using uh, Yelp is what we always use locally for reviews. And so I was looking for that here and realized really quickly that it's not used here. TripAdvisor, we used a bit when we were in Malta, but often maybe the problem was that there was like we were looking for Italian food and people would speak really well of this Italian food and we'd go there and immediately would be like, no, no, this is not Italian food. No, please, no. And so really quickly, we stopped trusting TripAdvisor. Yeah, I'm more focused on if we wanted to eat well, we'd ask the locals because usually they knew where they like to go that was affordable and good. Like food, I really trust the locals. For cultural experience and sightseeing, I'd like to read smaller travel blogs, maybe things written by locals who also traveled to other places and were able to have that sort of perspective of a traveler in their hometown. Yeah. And then as far as publications, uh, do you buy travel guides, whether it's like a paperback or eBooks? Again, before my vacation here in uh, Italy, my, my friend had gifted me one. She was one of my mentors there and was very preoccupied about my travels and so gifted me with this travel guide that she'd had when she traveled here. For me, just... Being of the millennial generation, I'm not really used to having that static information. Like, I I don't really find it that useful for me. It's kind of nice to be able to look at the pictures and fantasize about it and maybe read some things when I'm at the airport and want to save my phone battery. But the rest of the time, I really prefer websites where I can follow a link, I can go deeper in something, and I can sort of skim over the parts that aren't that interesting. and yeah, follow my nose a little bit about what I want to know more about. And then when you're looking at websites, does it matter to you whether it's a a broad website or a, a niche website? Would you go and try and find a website that only writes about the specific topic you're looking at? Or would you go to a blog that's more broader just to kind of see where the links lead and to kind of get a broader picture? Yeah, I think that sort of depends. Like for me, even now in Italy, I use local.it, which is sort of a, a news. It's sort of news for expatriates living in Italy, but it's got some good, very general guides. I'd found that before my first vacation, and it was where I found a lot of the safety things and etiquette things. And so I often go back there when I need general information and I need to start my search but I usually find the most useful information a little bit farther down the line and for that I prefer niche sites right like you brought up history and Mm. when I was in Malta there's so much history and 
often the locals don't even know the history. So I was like getting really into like the archaeology pages because there's so much around that even the archaeologists are like, we don't know who built this. We don't know if it was the Phoenicians or this or that. And this is how it was used at different types in history. So yeah, I get really interested in the niche sites. But when I'm starting my search, I usually start at a more general place. Yeah, I know that that's the thing about history. I, I write a lot about the local history in Turkey, but even it's the same there that the, the experts and the archaeologists have no real proof of who were the actual people that built things or that lived there and when they actually arrived. And there's so many, so much conflicting information. And I, and I think that's part of the challenge with travel blogs that are written by one person, I think you have to bear in mind, don't you, that it's somebody's opinion and you've got to take everything that you read on the in, uh, on the internet with a pinch of salt because everyone has a different perspective. Well, and for me, maybe it's because I've always been a bit of a nerd. So for me, when I, when I read something more general that says the history like it's an absolute fact, I immediately sort of lose a bit of trust. For me, whether it's a blogger or a history buff, the minute that they start saying that we don't know, these are some possibilities, it could be this or it could be that, I get get interested. I want to go there. I want to read more. And I start following that person because I trust them. When they acknowledge that history is somewhat of a mystery, even to the experts, I get interested. And if I can find a sort of, layman's blogger who's writing about things in easy to understand terms but who's raising more questions rather than trying to give all the answers I get intrigued and it builds trust and it builds interest for me so maybe that's because I'm a nerd but that's my perspective (laughs) it's good to be a nerd (laughs) so then we've talked about we've talked about websites but do you rely on social media at all to do Uh, any research or find out about places, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or anything? Not so much. No, I'm not. As much as I'm a millennial, I'm not a big social media. I use Instagram just to talk to my little sister because that's her place to go. And then Facebook is more, I would use it more to share share my pictures with people back in Canada or to keep them updated, like, the one of the bridges there was a bit of a crisis here while I was here on vacation and so I had to share an update with them because people were messaging me and saying they were worried but yeah I didn't find social media to be that useful maybe if I had more friends who were traveling but my friends are mostly activists or in professional networks and so that's more where social media came in honestly when I came here on my vacation, I stopped using social media for almost the total of three weeks. I logged on maybe two times. and yeah. So it sounds like your travel bug has been well and truly ignited. So have you got plans to travel um, and explore more of Italy and more of Europe? I really, I really want to have some freedom to explore Italy. I want to check out the South. I haven't explored it at all. And I just hear such good things about the food and the culture and the sites. So that's like a big goal, as well as like just being so close to Europe. I want to explore all of Europe. But at this point, I'm kind of getting my feet on the ground and figuring out how I can get my business going again. So 
most of my travel for the last few months and what I have on the horizon is going to be for work. At the same time, though, like I, I went to Milan for work a few weeks ago and Birmingham. And when I go, I'm trying to add a couple of days at the beginning and the end to be a bit of a slow tourist, I guess, in those times. So I'll be going to Montreal mm-hmm. and to uh, Stockholm for different conferences next year. And I'm going to try and explore. It's funny, I'm a Canadian, but I've never been to Montreal. And so now that I've got the travel bug, I'm going to explore a bit of Montreal like I'm a tourist when I have the days off work. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be great. Okay, well, it's been great chatting with you today and you shared some really great insights. Is there anything else you want to um, talk about regarding travel research or travel writing before we wrap it up? Well, I'll just mention uh, there's one blog in uh, that I used a lot when I was coming here, and I still go to now, and it's called Girl in Florence. And it's, I think it's a local, or it's an expat who moved there and has lived there for many years. But just, again, I, I said right at the beginning, being someone in my 20s, a young lady, I was tied to the branding and the tone of the website. It felt like it was written for me. And it really gave kind of insider's tips to being a tourist or moving here. And so I got really drawn to that blog by the tone, by the quality of the information. And it's very niche, but it's been a big go-to resource. I often go and I browse through it, even if I'm not going to be in Florence or the areas around it. So I just wanted to give a shout out to that is a blog well done that I found right away and I've kept using for a year. Okay, that's great. And you said it's girl in Florence? Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today, Rachel. I've really enjoyed all of the information that you shared with us. And um, good luck with exploring the rest of Italy. Thank you. Thank you. Have fun writing. Have fun sharing. Cheers. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. When you're writing a travel guide or a blog post, one of the most important things you have to consider is your audience. You need to make sure that your content resonates with them. And that's why it was really interesting to talk to Rachel today, was to get her perspective on the resources she used and her thought process for discovering more about the area in Tuscany that she was visiting and then subsequently moved to. As writers, the more we understand about how our target audience looks for and consumes the travel information they're looking for, the better we can craft the content that we're writing. Now, I know we can't apply broad brushstrokes to readers, but by talking to people one-on-one, we can get little nuggets of information and flashes of inspiration. There's a couple of things that Rachel mentioned in her conversations that gave me little aha moments that I'm going to incorporate into the next travel guide that I write. And it's these little snippets of information that you glean from one-on-one conversations that are really going to help you elevate your travel writing. The more you can personalize your content, the easier it will be for your audience to connect with what you're writing about. Please send me an email at jartali at gmail.com if you'd like to be featured on an episode talking about how you research your travel and what travel resources you use when you're planning your upcoming trips. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, goodbye. 
You've been listening to How to Write and Self-Publish Your Travel Book Show, hosted by travel writer Jay Artali. Visit us at www.birdsofafeatherpress.com.